You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Good morning and welcome to America's Web Radio. And it's uh, time for David's pick. And we've gotten in a habit and we're going to stay in that habit, I think, that uh, every morning or any time I do a show, a veteran show particularly, uh, I invite everyone to go to our website if you haven't been there and look at the J. Roy Ritchie Memorial Prayer Line. And uh, the reason we started this was that uh, so many people are – or so many veterans, particularly from – obviously from Vietnam, uh, suffered from the effects of Agent Orange. And my friend J. Roy Ritchie died from the effects of it. And uh, I decided that there are a lot of veterans – for whatever reason out there that need prayer. And all you have to do is send their names in, and uh, we'll be glad to uh, mention their names and ask that the others that are listening, uh, the other veterans that are listening either now or later to the show, uh, please just take a moment and think about these folks that uh, are needing your, your thoughts and prayers at the moment. And uh, we have a number of them, and uh, uh, Larry Kenyon is one, um, Peter Manfrey, and uh, we've got a number more, uh, Liston Edge, Jr., uh, sent in his for his father, who was a colonel, and um, we invite you to do the same, and um, we had one that I've uh, unfortunately missed here that... Uh, or maybe I didn't. Uh, uh, Joseph Cronin uh, passed away, and a uh, person sent a vet sent in that he had passed away and to ask for prayers for his family. So that's exactly what we're doing, is we want veterans to pray for veterans. And you've you've all walked in the same boots, and... There are all sorts of kinds of reasons. It may be a relationship. It may be uh, illness or whatever. Uh, our guest today, we're glad to have with us, and uh, we um, glad that he is well now. And our guest is uh, James Calvin. We'll be getting to James in just a moment. But beyond, uh, we want to stop for just a minute and think about those veterans that are needing prayers. And you can make it a general prayer for all veterans that are hurting for whatever reason or just need to know that their their fellow men and women are thinking about them. It's a great, great organization, the military. And uh, veterans stick together with veterans. Okay, let's go on. Amen. And we appreciate the veterans that are listening and the ones that have taken the time. And take the time during the day to pray for your brothers and sisters that that need your thought. Whether you know them by name or just know them by being military brothers and sisters. 
Jim, how you doing today? I'm doing well, David. And you? I'm doing just fine. It's a sunny day, and we're glad to have you with us again. And we're going to talk first. Let's talk a little bit about Christmas. Wait a second. It's already come and gone. But I, I would like to know the results of Operation Santa and how, not, not necessarily uh, number-wise, but just uh, did it go over well and, uh, and a lot of kids taken care of? It went very, very well. Um, as we had discussed uh, in, in previous times, this uh, Operation Santa is a program that was started 14 years ago by a um, former ranger and uh, obviously veteran and VFW member um, and comrade of mine, uh, Christian Stevens, who tragically was killed in a skydiving accident in February of August. Of the past year, and what was significant about that is his professional skydiving team was actually practicing a fourteen-point star, I think it was, aerobatic maneuver that they were going to use to celebrate the SpaceX launch down there. And these were the types of things that that Christian did. He he jumped into events all over the country to to raise money. Uh, to help the children of veterans in Georgia. And so 14 years ago, he started a program called Operation Santa, and the purpose of which was to buy targeted Christmas gifts for the children of deployed servicemen and servicewomen in the state of Georgia. And when I say targeted, um, we don't go out and just buy things willy-nilly. Uh, we send an Excel spreadsheet out to the family readiness groups and are the chaplains of the units, and they return that with us to us with the gender of the child and the age of the child. And uh, recommendations for gifts are more recently, as people are very web knowledgeable, we'll act- they'll actually send us URLs to a particular gift they found on the website. So this year was the 14th annual Freedom Fighters Open, which is what uh, Christian named the fundraiser, and it occurred on November 6th of this year at Bridge Mill Country Club. And the theme this year was to uh, to honor the memory of Christian Stevens. And I am very happy to report that the community of friends that Christian had which was very extensive, uh, really stepped up. And uh, we had a banner year. We had good weather. Thank you, uh, Mother Nature, because last year was not so good. And we didn't have the president and vice president of the United States flying in to interrupt our aerial operations because we start the program out with a skydiver bringing in a very, very large American flag. Uh, And that's always a a, a thrilling event. So this year we were able to do that, and it uh, it was a great time. And we had a full house of golfers, 144 golfers, uh, and we had a wonderful guest of honor this year, Jeffrey Struker 
was, uh, he's an author, currently a pastor, and a former U.S. Army Ranger, but more specifically, he was involved in the Battle of Mogadishu in 1993. Uh, in that battle, he was a 24-year-old sergeant, and he was a squad leader uh, assigned to Task Force Ranger. Uh, he led the first three-vehicle convoy uh, that went out and brought back through intense fire the wounded ranger, uh, the first wounded ranger. Um, and he is featured in the film Black Hawk Down. Wow. Very, very interesting man, and we were very honored and very pleased to have him as our guest of honor this year. Uh, and we have a notable military uh, person every year as our guest of honor. That's fantastic. So we're, mm. we did real well this year, and um, if anybody out there is listening that participated in the fundraiser, in the Freedom Fighters Open, I want to thank you for your participation and your generosity. It was a great time, Dave. And do you have a uh, date for this year? It is always the Friday before Veterans Day. Okay. So I don't know exactly what that date is. But uh, we always have it the Friday before Veterans Day. Uh, and I think this coming year, we will again have it at Bridge Mill uh, at the Country Club, Golf Club. Well, you know, I bet since we know about it, and you've written my name down someplace, um, hopefully not on any bathroom walls, but anyway, you've written my number down, and uh, you're going to call me and remind me... Uh, say in uh, September, August, September, and we'll start pushing it. So maybe we can break a record from last year. And uh, we'll... we'll Absolutely. Uh, get you in we, and talking about it. We had it to and, play a lot of backup uh, catch-up this year because with, uh, with Christian gone, and he was the uh, consummate salesman, uh, but he was not a record keeper <laughs> and an organizer. So I and about four of the people got, got uh, saddled with organizing the thing this year. We had to reverse engineer it. So next year we're definitely going to start uh, earlier in, in the year with our uh, marketing campaign and our uh, advertising campaign. Uh, see if we can pull in some more corporate sponsors, raise even more money. Uh, and by the way, it's... Uh, all of this money goes to a 501c3 charity registered in the state of Georgia, uh, and the name of the charity is Operation Santa Charities, Inc. So we have set that up, and that's where all the money goes through, and a very, very large percent of all of the income to that organization goes to supporting veterans and their families, uh, and especially their children. That's fantastic. And does this carry on throughout the year? Well, it's it's really uh, originally uh, the design was it was to buy the Christmas gifts. Mm -hmm. Okay, now this year because we got a late start in finding contacts with these military units, uh, especially with operational secu uh, security going on, and and quite important. It's very, very hard to get in contact with some of these units. And all of the contacts were in Christian's head, uh, which we no longer have. So I actually got some gift lists after Christmas that I'm working on now. 
so I guess we'll be buying targeted New Year's presents for those kids. But Operation Santa Charities, Inc., the 501c3, was basically uh, incorporated to just support veterans. And so the Operation Santa program uh, is is the mainstay of what we do right now, but that's certainly, uh, we're not limited. And as we raise more funds and have more money available, we're looking uh, to do other things uh, for veterans and for their families other than buying Christmas gifts for deployed service members. That's super. You know, so many veterans, at least we're getting the point across and and the recognition for the veterans that that has been needed for a long time. And, uh, you know, the other thing that we always mention, or we try to always mention, if, if old age doesn't get me and I forget it, but it's the fact that whether it's the husband or the wife that is the veteran or has been deployed or whatever the situation might be, it's really the whole family that's deployed, even down to the down to the baby that was just born. And because he or she might miss being with their father or their mother the first six months or a year. And uh, so we, we respect and, and love the, the families of the veterans that, and particularly those that are on active duty right now that, that are going to be deployed or have been deployed. And uh, we always, and, and the veterans, uh, you, you know, you could, you could say, uh, a family is a is a veteran family, and meaning that the mother or son or daughter, whatever the case might be, they were at home taking care of things while their mother or father were deployed. And uh, all the respect in the world, and you know, we've had people on that uh, veterans that uh, have told the story about their father. You know that. Uh, one one gentleman was talking about by the time he was 12 years old, he had been in five different schools or something like that throughout Europe. And, you know, it's just it, being in the military is one of the best things that anybody can do. But at the same token, it does require sacrifice and both sacrifice from the person in the military as well as the family members that are supporting that person. So our hats are always off to them, and I think what you all are doing, Jim, is absolutely fantastic. And um, you've got the radio station to help you any way that we can. That's uh, that's fantastic. And, you know, what you said about veterans' families is absolutely true, and I know that firsthand because I'm an Army brat, and uh, my dad was my hero. Uh, he was a veteran of World War II, uh, the Korean conflict, and also uh, he had two deployments to Vietnam. Wow. In fact, he and I and my brother were in Vietnam at the same time because I had extended and failed to get the notification out in time. So Dad had already transitioned in, uh, and we we got to raise a toast to my mother on her birthday. 
That's in, super. Uh, in March of 1970. Uh, a little difficult because we were at Long Bend, and they were very class conscious there. <laughs> My brother was a captain. He was a dentist. Dad was a E-8 master sergeant, and I was a lowly spec five. So we couldn't go into any of the clubs because they were restricted. So Dad had to go into the senior NCO club and buy drinks, and we had to hoist that toast uh, out uh, out on the dirt in Long Bend. But that was a memorable occasion, and I've got a picture to commemorate it. Unfortunately, it's a bit of out, out of focus. But going back to the families, yeah, they're, my dad, unfortunately, spent uh, well over half of his 28 and a half years of active duty uh, deployed overseas. So he missed a lot of uh, important moments in my life. Uh, but he made up for it when, when he was home. So, uh, yes, the, those that stay at home also serve. Absolutely. And th- this is, uh, again, the reason that we're focusing so much on veterans and active duty and veterans uh, at the station now is that, you know, I don't ever want to know or hear of our military and the personnel, the people that are serving or have served, ever being taken for granted. Because if if you haven't served you haven't sacrificed, then you don't know what it is to have a, a mother or father that has and uh, or yourself. And uh, it all works together, and this is, this is what it's all about. And the people that raise their hand, uh, no matter what branch it is, are volunteering to give the ultimate sacrifice if they're called upon. And uh, we have proven it as a nation and a country time and again, and we are the best, no question about it. And at, at this point, I think I'll go into my little spill about the fact that if you're a graduating senior from high school or just got your degree from college and you haven't quite decided what you want to do, well, look at the military there, the different branches of the military, one of them has exactly what you're interested in. I can absolutely 100% guarantee you. And um, it may be electronics. It may be interested in uh, water, wildlife. It may be no matter what it is, whatever you're interested in, there's a branch of the military that um, has – has a place for you, and it's a great career. It's a, it's not just, quote, end quote, the military anymore. It's an occupation. And if you have that you've got an honorable discharge from any branch, when you go in, when you come back into civilian life, when you go in and present your resume, I can assure you the HR or the person that you're talking to has just gained a great deal of respect for you serving our country. And this is, it's always been important and it's going to be more important in the future. And we highly recommend and encourage you to look at the military as a career and an occupation. 
also want to bring up the fact that we have a great friend and a gentleman, Colonel Rick White. And Rick is the director of the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame. And if you haven't been there, you've got to go and take your kids and explain to them what this picture and that picture and who this is and who that is. And uh, we have so many people that have served from Georgia and been heroes that aren't necessarily known or mentioned all the time, but you've got to go check them out. And you've got to check out the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame. It's right across the street from the Capitol. It's in the Floyd Building. And... You'll love it. And they got a great restaurant, great cafeteria, so you can make a whole day of it with your kids, have lunch there, and keep looking. We also want to mention, uh, because Georgia is getting, uh, Jim, I assume that you're aware of all this stuff, but Georgia is getting so well known for its salute and respect to veterans. Uh, Johns Creek, Georgia, which is... Uh, north of Atlanta, uh, bought the half-scale wall, veteran uh, Vietnam veterans wall, the healing wall, and uh, they toured all over the United States, and Johns Creek bought it after it had finished its duty and uh, has given it a permanent home in Newtown Park in Johns Creek. And if you had a family member, a friend, or whoever it happens to be that served and gave the ultimate sacrifice in Vietnam, you can come and find their name on the wall and uh, take a picture of it, do whatever. And we certainly invite you to participate in that. So let's get back to Jim. I don't want to slight him in any means. And um, you served in Nam. And how long, were you, how long were you in, Jim? Or in Nam. Say again. How long? Uh, how long were you in Nam? I was there fifteen months. Uh, when when my tour was coming up, uh, I had received orders to report to uh, Fort Sill, Oklahoma, and my brother had been stationed there as a dentist, and he he just told me that was not a great place uh, <laughs> to be even as an officer. And so I decided that uh, I didn't want to go to Fort Sill, so I rolled the dice, figuratively speaking, and extended uh, for another uh, four months in Vietnam so that when I when I left Vietnam, I qualified for the 150-day early out uh, procedure. Obviously, my mother was not very excited about that, uh, but... The war was winding down a bit, at least it seemed it was, and uh, as it turned out where I was stationed, which was Coochie, the the division headquarters of the 25th Infantry Division, uh, things had gotten a little quieter, and little did we know that uh, beneath us in the car because that was a karst valley area and in the limestone caves beneath us uh was an entire nva base camp wow uh, 
and in reading some books after I returned back to the United States, I found out that uh, the Vietnamese, the North Vietnamese, could have risen up through the cracks and crevices uh, up into the base camp. In fact, they did that twice while I was there, I found out. Uh, and they could have overrun that base camp any time they wanted. But they had determined that the, uh, the celebrities and the uh, uh, movie stars in Hollywood were doing a very, very good job of winning the war for them. And they were afraid that if they overran that base camp, that it would constitute uh, another uh, uh, Pearl Harbor incident and that it would uh, solidify the American public against them. So I guess, in a way, I owe my life to Jane Fonda, which is a little weird. <laughs> yeah, that is. <laughs> uh, I have a whole lot of vet friends that uh, would not necessarily agree with that statement, but uh, I understand that if you're sitting on a powder keg and and uh, she, uh, in her own sick way, saves you, well, then I guess you do. But that that's quite a story to be... And, and you all never heard anything, huh? We knew nothing uh, about that when uh when we were there uh and that all of that was discovered after i left and in fact i think uh i heard a rumor that the uh, commanding general of the 25th was uh removed from his post for failure to secure his base camp uh, so i know we we had an incident there where booby traps were found inside base camp uh and it was the traditional grenade inside the grenade can with the tripwire uh, at the entrance to some bunkers in our company area. And so there was a, there was a big hoopla. They were suspecting that the indigenous workers that we used uh, on base camp were responsible. And I just didn't think that was the case uh, because there was a older woman who helped us out by, by cleaning our, our hooch where we lived, and I just thought she was, uh, she reminded me of my grandmother. Uh, let me just say that. And mm. so I was very pleased one Christmas to go to the PX and then also to get one of the nurses to go into the women's section of the PX and, and buy some toiletry articles and some nice soap and and uh, some uh, bath, uh, bath suds and stuff like that, and gave it to her and oh my gosh you thought i'd given her uh a million dollars but it what bothered me about all that is that the bunkers that were booby trapped were the ones that were facing the bunker line and the ville our company area was uh was very close to the ville and i i wondered why they didn't booby trap the bunkers in the in the interior of the company area well, as it turned out, it wasn't the indigenous workers. The only intelligence they had on our area there was what they were seeing from the ville. And so the only bunkers they knew about were the ones visible from outside the base camp. Um, hmm. So I was pleased to find out later in, in reading this, this book about the caves of Coochie that, as I thought, it was not... Uh, the uh, the people the Vietnamese people that we had working for us 
but it was the NBA that were unknowingly living below us. What an amazing story. And, you know, your commanding officer being relieved of duty, how how deep would he have had to have dug to find them? Well, it, you didn't, there was no digging. Well, I take that back. Obviously, the, the NBA had done a lot uh, in, those, uh, in those cave areas. Those were natural caves. Uh, uh, Karst Valley is a situation where you have a water-insoluble cap rock hmm. sitting over water-soluble limestone. Uh, when the cap rock cracks and the water percolates down, then it, over years, well, thousands of years, it d- dissolves the limestone and creates caves below their natural caves. Uh, I've actually been out to Alabama and uh, did some spelunking in some caves out there and, and saw this structure up close and personal. So, uh, of course, the, the problem there as well with the, with the limestone is that the aquifer was down there and the Coochie area, the Coochie district of Vietnam, uh, was the basis for the uh, lawsuit against the maker of Agent Orange that was filed on behalf of all the children of Coochie. And little did we know that all of that dioxin was seeping down through the cracks in the cap rock and collecting in the aquifers where Pacific Gas and Electric had drilled a well and they were pulling the water up and they were doing a wonderful job of filtering it and treating it, but they had nothing to take the dioxin out. Mm. So the reason I have certain medical conditions is I spent 15 months drinking water that had the highest level of dioxin anywhere in the world. Uh, and so Agent Orange, I like to say, is the gift that keeps on giving you. Yeah. With, with that, we're going to take a break and uh, come back with Jim Davis right after a couple of messages. If you live to serve and want to make an even bigger difference, consider joining the U.S. Army. With training in fields like medical care, linguistics, and engineering, an Army career can amplify your efforts with humanitarian opportunities all over the world. Plus, you'll receive competitive pay and incredible benefits, so you'll be taken care of, too. Learn more at GoArmy.com. Hi, this is Rocky Blyer, and I hope you'll make plans to join us on January 28th for Warriors for Hope. I'm thrilled to be a part of this virtual fundraiser for St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital and Warriors to Citizen. These organizations do so much to support veterans, first responders, and families who have been touched by pediatric cancer. I'd also like to thank David Moxley and his show, David's Pick, here on America's Web Radio for supporting Warriors for Hope. And I know you'll want to join in and support this event as well on January 28th. So visit warriorsforhope.events. That's warriors and the number four, hope.events. You can make a gift and reserve your seat for this virtual benefit. Again, that's warriors and the number four, hope.events. Thanks for your support, and we'll see you at noon on January 28th. And to put a little tag on that, tomorrow we have Rocky Blyer on and also Lee Greenwood uh, these gentlemen have volunteered to do a little interview for us and with us tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock. And they're also going to be the ones that are hosting the uh, 
event on January the 28th. So please mark your calendar of what's going on here at America's Web Radio and and uh, the event uh, Warriors for Hope. It benefits St. Jude's Hospital and also Warriors to Citizens. And uh, Jim, I'm sure you might be able to express a little bit of an opinion on this. Um, what does the, what does just the name Warriors to Citizens to the number two Warriors to Citizens? What does that mean to you? Well, what it means to me is is the transition. Uh, from a deployment in a combat zone where without you knowing it, you are gradually changed because you're exposed to uh, images and and events and experiences that uh, the other 99% of our nation and of other countries just never get exposed to. Um, and so that, as we as we know now, uh, now that we have uh, determined that there is a condition known as PTSD, and it's a significant, significant condition, that the transition back from that environment back to the safe, wonderful, free environment in the United States uh, can be a very, very difficult transition. And so organizations such as this are really, really important in helping our young men and women, or old men and women in some cases, uh, who have been in combat zones, for, especially for extended periods of time, and multiple deployments, uh, to transition back. And upon discharge or retirement, um, to try to find a way to transfer the skills and the experience that they gained in the military uh, into an equivalent uh, uh, position within uh, within the civilian world. That's what it means to me. That that was beautiful, Jim. You, you hit it right on the head. Uh, you know, I guess Vietnam was probably one of the most up close and personal wars that we had ever fought and to see what one human being could do to another you know it wasn't like world war Two or even uh, korea war as much uh, in that you know those wars were i don't want to say there's there's nothing nice or pretty or romantic about a war period but it was World War Two was generally fought sort of at arm's length, and Korea the same with artillery and many and air air support and so forth and so on. Where in Vietnam, I've had so many friends and so many veterans that I've, I've known that that were uh, eleven Bravo. I'm sure you're familiar with that number. Uh, that you know they saw things that were just absolutely undescribable. Just, a, you know, a human doing this to a human is just beyond belief. And um, that's where the PTS, post-traumatic stress syndrome, came from. And and it was shell-shocked or whatever you wanted to call it from World War II or World War One even. But it's, it's the drama, it's the mind 
getting through it some way or or putting it in a closet in the back part of your brain until at some time it becomes it comes out and is exploded and uh, oh yeah PTSD is is very very acute and so many people have it a lot of folks have PTSD and don't even realize it and yet it'll come out in a family situation or something and so yes warriors to citizens is a incredible group and uh let me ask, how, when you were there and, and your father and your brother, were, you were all three there at the same time, right? Right. Well, uh, it's it's my half-brother, and so that didn't constitute, it, as far as the military was concerned, uh, we were from different families. Okay. Okay. Uh, and as it turned out, he was he was stationed only, gosh, a few miles from me uh, at a place called Zeon, and uh, where he was a dentist, and uh, obviously did a very very good job. I just found out recently when uh, uh, when I bought him a life membership in the VFW that. Uh, he had the combat infantryman's badge. Wow. So I know he told me that he used to grab a portable dental kit and one of his chair-side assistants, and he'd take a helicopter out to these uh, small fire bases, which might just have, have two uh, artillery pieces and then a company of infantry to protect the perimeter. So I suspect what happened, but we haven't discussed it, is that he may have gotten stuck out there uh, for some time and been under enemy fire and uh, somehow uh, qualified for the uh, for the CID. <laughs> so it was kind of interesting. Well, what do they tell you in uh, basic and AIT? No matter what you wind up doing or whether you go in like you did into electronics or go into... Uh, Whatever it happens to be, your first MOS is you're in the infantry, and that's everybody exactly. that's in the army. My, uh, you mentioned eleven Bravo small arms infantrymen. My uh, my dad referred to that as a bullet launcher carrier. <laughs> and when I got my draft notice after I had uh, withdrawn from the University of Virginia, he. Uh, he said, son, you, you've got too much intelligence to be a bullet launcher carrier. And he gave me uh, the first of some wonderful pieces of advice. He said, go to any service. Uh, find out what they offer in the way of training. Sign up for three or four years if necessary. Uh, within the Navy, in a lot of cases, for some of their specialized training, they required a four-year investment or enlistment. And doing that... Uh, got me started my computer career because in reality I have to thank the Soviets for uh, my career in the uh, high-tech industry because when Sputnik went up and everybody in the United States uh, government and Department of Defense went bananas they started something called the National Science Foundation which I didn't know at that time, was just a arm of the Department of Defense. And so that was the first instance of 
STEM training, uh, science, technology, engineering, management is what we call it today. And so I got to not only go to a summer course at the University of North Carolina and study advanced chemistry, uh, mathematics, but also when I was at the University of Virginia, the NSF donated a mainframe computer. And I was very interested in that. And so I actually got a part-time job at the computer center, took, took the first programming class that they offered. And for a while there, I joked that uh, that was my personal computer because there were only four of us using it at one point. Hmm. Uh, and so that then enabled me, when I went to talk to the Army recruiter, uh, to get into uh, my OMS, 34 Golf, Fire Control Computer Repair. And the, the end result of that was, uh, until I retired two years ago, is I spent... Uh, uh, my entire life working in the high-tech industry with computers, networking, and electronics. So what you said before about young men or women coming out of high school, uh, give the military a strong look. Uh, it's a wonderful experience. And I would venture to say that you still have some friends that you may have even met in basic that you keep track of, and certainly uh, probably uh, some non-friends and... Uh, the list goes on and on. You know, unfortunately, David, I don't. Um, we, you know, I think we all kind of went on with our life when we got back. And we were young, and we were going to live forever, and we weren't thinking about um, maintaining relationships because we all had all the time in the world to do that. And now, unfortunately, with all this privacy, privacy of information out there uh, I can't find anyone hmm. uh, if I do a web search I will find some information going back uh, oh, 25 years but I won't find anything current because there's so much uh, push on keeping people's information private So, uh, and, and I've got a list of my basic training company and uh, I think I told you in, the, in a previous segment that fortunately, not one of those names in my platoon are on the wall at the Vietnam Memorial, and I think that is it's uh, it's a statistical anomaly because there were, out of forty people in my platoon, there were only four of us that didn't end up being eleven Bravo small arm infantrymen, and they were all sent to Fort Polk, Louisiana, <laughs> prior to deployment to Vietnam. I know they all went to Vietnam, and they all returned, and I thank God for that. Oh, yeah, that's that's super. And just getting through uh, Fort Polk is a, a pretty good uh, chore. Oh, gosh. Glad <laughs> I didn't go. But, uh, you know, I, I'm glad you backed me up on, on what the military is today and that, you know, the experience and it's – it's entire. It's changed entirely. I was uh, well. I, I guess uh, you just mentioned it that uh, when you all were there to toast your mother, uh, you couldn't go to the O Club. Obviously, or enlisted couldn't go to the O Club, and uh, I guess you couldn't go to your father's uh, enlisted club. And there was there was a ton of segregation. Uh, in the 60s, and that's when I served, was in uh, 60, uh, 
let's see, I went in in 69. And, uh, you know, and today, and, and if you were caught with an officer, an enlisted man with an officer eating dinner or anything else, uh, you could get in trouble for fraternizing with a enlisted person or vice versa or whatever but today uh, it's uh, not that unusual for uh, an officer to have a friend that's a enlisted person a sergeant or whatever the rank might be and uh, and we had we even uh, at Fort Ord had uh, had uh, segregated when i say segregated we had the officers golf course and the enlisted personnel's golf course so it was there's all sorts of forms of segregation or there were back then but uh it's still you know there are things i wish i had done differently but at the same token i'm glad i can say i served and uh, i think you know and i haven't pardon me go ahead i think in uh in Vietnam, that class distinction got uh, got less and less the further away you got from uh, Saigon. <clears throat> so, in our in our company at Kuchi, uh, the ninety fourth maintenance company, uh, I I was good friends with the executive officer, <clears throat> Lieutenant Bob Oran, who to my great uh, uh, discern I found out that he had been living across the Chattahoochee River from me here for about 20 years and I did not find that out until one year after his death because he was a crazy guy but in Vietnam we had 10 on rank and so the uh the NCOIC of our electronics platoon, the, the, the first one that we had, uh, would occasionally take me to the uh, senior NCO club. And he just gave me a set of Buck Sargent uh, <laughs> insignia. And he said, Davis, just pin these on. Nobody will know the difference. And the executive officer gave me a set of second lieutenant bars. So when I would accompany him across the street to the officer's club at the 25th of Vac Hospital, uh, I would just put uh, the two LT bars on. And he said, Davis, they know who you are, because at that point I was the NCIC of the electronics platoon. He said, they know who you are. They know you're doing a good job. He said, you know, as long as there is some colonel that's visiting or something, there's no problem because they don't care. And so we were a much tighter-knit group uh, at various levels, for the most part, until the last few months uh, in Vietnam. Interesting. I, I, You know, this is what I love about this show and talking to you and, and the other vets that uh, I've been fortunate to interview is seldom do I do an interview that I don't learn something? And uh, it's just like that. Uh, I had not, you know, and, and I can see what where, where, your pin-ons, were they the camouflage, the black ones that had come out? Yes. Yes. 
So, well, I can appreciate what you're saying. That that's uh, my best friend in uh, AIT. Well, actually, in basic, and then he went to uh, radio school, and and I went to uh, Eleven Bravo. And uh, but we'd get together on the weekends when we could. And one weekend, he had decided that we should go to the officers' golf course and play around the golf. And it was just the two of us, and I said, you know, Dan, if we get caught, we're going to be hung. Oh, we're not going to be ta- caught. We, j- we can just say we're just back from Vietnam, and we can drop some names and do this and do that. And uh, I guess I was so scared that I played the best round of golf I've ever played in my life. <laughs> but at the same token, I kept waiting on somebody to... Uh, ask me something that i just couldn't answer or whatever and and it was just dan and myself but the the foursome was made up i think of a i i can't remember a lieutenant and a and a lieutenant colonel or something i can't remember and um i just i just sat there shaking in my boots except i didn't have boots on i had civilian clothes on and stuff but i was I was scared to death that we were going to get caught. And uh, like you said, by the time somebody came back, nobody really cared. I, I guess that, that was one of the few times I can say in my life that I was in a situation, a large situation, that people looked at people like human beings. And they didn't, they could have questioned, but they didn't. They just accepted that uh i was who i was and they were who they were and it it was it was a very enjoyable afternoon as a matter of fact but as soon as i quit shaking that's a great story about about the golf uh and you reminded me of when i was stationed at aberdeen maryland for the second half of my uh computer and electronics training and then i i became an instructor uh, prior to my deployment to Vietnam, Arthur Ashe visited uh, Aberdeen, Maryland. And a buddy and I were trying to learn how to play tennis. And so we said, you know, well, let's get out to the courts and, and uh, maybe we'll get a chance to, to meet this man. And not only did we, did we get to meet him, but they asked the two of us to be line judges for the exhibition match that he put on there, and it was it was a wonderful Saturday. And all of a sudden, my buddy, who was had a crazy streak in him, said, "Let's go to the shore, let's go to the beach." And so we're wearing white tennis shorts and white shirts, and we got a ride with one of the NCOs in the company off base, and then we hitchhiked to the beach. Uh, played some volleyball, met some girls, spent the night on the beach, uh, caught a ride back with two girls, and we got back to the camp there, we realized we were out of uniform, that <laughs> we, we couldn't get back in in our civilian clothes. So we had to go around the, uh, uh, around the perimeter of the camp and find a section of fence that didn't have barbed wire on top of it and climbed the fence, which, as it turned out, 
was adjacent to the golf course. So <laughs> my golf course story is a little different than yours, David. Yeah, yeah. That's funny, though. Oh, you know, I uh, I can't remember who it was that was talking about. I, I guess it was, I don't know, a couple of days ago. But uh, you know, it's a in a lot of ways, it's a small world, and that uh, trainer. Uh, oh. Uh, Oh, it was yesterday's show on a veteran story with uh, Pete Mecca. He was talking to Mark Trainer, and and Trainer was talking about when he was uh, deployed, and he sat down for lunch, and and a guy across the table said, "Are, are you Mark Trainer?" And he said, "Yeah." And he said, "Well, I went to school with you and your brother, and uh, I about fell out of my chair because I had when I went back to from after I'd finished basic and went back." For my first lunch uh, in my company of AIT, I was standing there waiting in line for lunch and stuff, and this guy walks by, an E6 walks by and uh, does an about face, and he said, is that you, David? And come to find out, he had gone to Fort Benning Shake and Bake, uh, if you remember those, where you go oh, yeah. as a private and you come out as an E6, and... Um, it was a guy named Danny Nowak, and uh, we'd gone to high school together and been friends, not close friends, but friends, and known certainly known each other. And he was my platoon sergeant uh, in AIT. And uh, needless to say, I've told this story before, but needless to say, uh, I had some uh, benefits that others didn't have. Not that he, not that I got to do anything other than I had had a huge liquor locker for he and the other other uh, squad sergeants and uh, so after after we'd be out in the field until five o'clock and come in and just just like real people we'd sit down and have a drink and uh, it was uh, my time in AIT and in fact basic was great uh, at Fort Ord it's a beautiful it was a beautiful fort and and uh, it's now a university campus, I believe. But it was yes, great. I was uh, never stationed there, but I did get a chance to drive around and through that place one time. I, I uh, hear what you're talking about, you know. And I, I enjoyed being at Huntsville, Alabama. Oh, yeah. For my first training, and then, of course, at Aberdeen, Maryland. So, uh, you know what they say, join join the military uh meet wonderful people travel to strange places yeah see the world that might be well my son uh that i always mention uh, he's a major in the air force and uh, he and his wife have have gotten to see the world and it's you know he has beautiful stories and uh, i was fortunate enough to be able to visit him a couple of times when he was uh, stationed in germany and uh, and in hawaii and uh, so Nice. Yeah, the military is just today, in my opinion. God, if they'd let somebody as old as me in with my walker, I'd, I'd, I'd go back in a heartbeat. But there just doesn't seem to be room for me. I, I've had that feeling as well, and uh, you know, even though I only went to Vietnam when during my active duty uh, as a army brat. I had the experience of being in post-war France with my dad when he was stationed there, 
and have wonderful, wonderful memories of that. And then also spent a year in Japan when my dad was stationed in Japan. And that was a wonderful experience, um, being introduced to the Asian culture. Uh, and so uh, my wife and I enjoy sushi uh, all the time as a consequence of that. So uh, that was that was part of my education was being able to go and go to those two foreign countries and experience those cultures. Oh, I, I think that's great, you know. And and uh, again, this is what the military can can do and does do on a continual basis, and that's. Uh, it just you just can't can't beat it and uh so with that being said jim you're gonna have to come back in one of these days and uh we're gonna have to get out of here and make room for uh, another show but i want to thank you for for uh joining us and uh, your consideration and uh, of the station today i certainly appreciate that and uh, look forward to uh, carrying this conversation on some more. It's, uh, you know, I don't know why, but it seems like most of the time I'm sitting across from uh, rank and grade that I can't hardly communicate with. You know, they they got a bird or they got an oak or they got, you know, I I think the the uh, smallest ranking uh, officer I've had in was a. Uh, Either a first lieutenant or a captain. But other than that, most of them uh, outrank me. So, well, I outrank them because I stink and I, I'm on the air too much. But other than that, they, they have me by a large number. So I'm glad that uh, a fellow enlisted person and I could chat and look forward to you coming back. Well, it's been a, it's been a real honor uh, and a privilege. Uh, and this has been my second time. Uh, if, uh, if you got an opening and, and, uh, you'd like to have me back, I'd be more than, uh, more than happy to, uh, take part again. Absolutely. And we're certainly going to have you back on the, uh, Operation Santa Claus, but we'll have you back before then. Jim, have a good day and, uh, take care. All right. Thanks, David. Same to you. Thank you, sir. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.